Honey, I wanted to lay down on the floor and throw a tantrum too. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you should've you should have. <laughs> I've I've been I've been doing that lately. You're listening to the Nacho Kids Podcast, where we discuss all things step family related. Real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Hello, David. Hey. What you doing? I'm laughing that um, my throat is hurting from laughing so much <laughs> and hollering and going on um, at a friend's house tonight. What have you been doing? We were playing a game. Um we're playing taboo. Taboo. So we're playing taboo, and it's boys against girls. And uh, as it never seems to fail, halfway through the game, it becomes not just playing the game, but also how can you be as disruptive as possible to the other team as they're trying to answer the questions. <laughs> yes. And so you were making all kind of noises. <laughs> My son was on all fours barking at the dogs to get them to bark back. It was chaos. <laughs> I was two feet from the girl that was calling out the stuff to try to get me to guess the word, and I could not hear her. <laughs> and she was screaming. <laughs> it was crazy. It was crazy. The funniest part was this guy has two dogs. I don't know what kind they are, but they're little dogs, almost like beagles or something. Mm-hmm. I was about to say bagels, almost like beagles. And they're kind of yappy, especially when you people are around. And so he'll holler, shut up, and they'll shut up. So he had told them to shut up one time. A little bit later, they started barking, and I hollered, shut up. And he looks at me and says, those are nacho dogs. <laughs> he did. That was hilarious. It's one of those things where you can scream at your dogs and tell them to shut up all day long, but you can't scream at somebody else's dogs. Well, speaking of dog. <laughs> we we I don't know if we've told the story on on the podcast or not, but we've recently adopted a new dog, and uh, I guess rescued is a better term for it. So we rescued this new dog, and he has added so much stress to my life. And it's so he has yes, but it's so funny how there are some parallels between stepkids and this new dog we have. Yep. <laughs> so. Let's talk about a few of those. Okay, let's talk about that. Well, I feel bad for our old dog. <laughs> our because, old dog. Yeah. You know, she's we've had her seven years, and she's been the queen of the house. Yep. And she's trying to adjust to this new dog, and she doesn't like him very much. <laughs> she's jealous of him. He will do things that she's never done. For instance, fetch. Our old dog would never fetch. Well, she sees the new dog fetch. So now she has to do it. Or try to. Or try to. (laughs) And it is the most awkward thing in the world. It is hilarious to watch her because you can tell she's not into it. And she's holding the ball funny in her mouth. You can also kind of look at her and tell that she's looking at um, what's going on. Like, why would I be uh, bringing this ball back to you? Because you're just going to throw it again. Right. So what's the point? Right. So what's another uh, point that you noticed? Well, I feel bad for her because now she doesn't have her own space. So she's getting used to the blend. (laughs) She's having to share her space with this dog that's obnoxious. 
<laughs> he slobbers a lot. So we have rags all over the floor to try to wipe up his drool so it doesn't ruin the floors. And then we have a panel of a cage, I guess. I don't know what you call it. Like a baby gate, but for dogs. Yeah, it's like an octagon. <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be set up like a playpen for a dog, but we've got it set up in the kitchen. Originally, it was to keep him in the kitchen so he wouldn't tear up stuff in the other part of the house. But he quickly learned how to jump out of that. So now it's to keep him out of the kitchen, <laughs> which I'm sure he can figure out how to get in. Yeah, it's blocking all kind of stuff. Like part of it is blocking the the trash can. And then, you know, poor old dog. <laughs> she's got more whoopings and fussed at. And when I say whoopings, no, we don't beat our dog. We tap her hiney. <laughs> I don't usually. But she's got more whoopings and been fussed at more since we got the new dog than she ever has in her seven years. Mm -hmm. And it's because she don't like the new dog. Yep. And he wants to play. And she's like, leave me alone. I'm not your friend. And you should love the new dog like your own. Right. <laughs> and David says that I favor the old dog <laughs> over yep. the new dog. Showing favoritisms. <laughs> well, it's true. I feel bad for her. I think she's depressed. So you have guilty fur parent syndrome. <laughs> I do. And then I'm like, you know, the poor thing, she doesn't get any peace and quiet now. She can't even chill because he's running around, running laps. And, oh, it just stresses me out for her. <laughs> and, and let's see, what else? Oh. Oh, and you do, and you try to feed the, you feed the, as you are now calling the old dog, you feed the old dog like treats like under the table so the new dog can't see you doing it. <laughs> well, we should have never fed the old dog the crap we were feeding her anyway. <laughs> but she likes to go fishing for french fries. <laughs> and so I didn't want to feed the new dog that crap. You didn't because want to start then we, bad habits. Yeah, because then we have, anytime we're eating, they're all up our, on our plates or, you know, just sitting there begging or looking at you like, please, please feed me. Yeah, but then I see you like sneaking to like the laundry room and you're like, Siva, come here. Siva, come here. <laughs> yeah, or I'll try to get her to come in there and take a nap with me. <laughs> give me and her both a break from the new dog. <laughs> but then, I, you know, I feel bad for the old dog. I mean, the new dog, because he just wasn't treated properly. Mm -hmm. So, you and, know. And we had a bad thunderstorm last night and he's just scared to death. It wasn't thunderstorm, it was fireworks. Yeah. It was thunder the other night, and then it was fireworks last night. Yeah, and he was scared to death, so I feel bad for him. But, you know, then I look at sweet old dog, and she's got this look of, my life sucks. <laughs> she tried to run away, y'all. I'm not kidding. Like, <laughs> we had to get her back from David's sister that lives next door. Now, why she went there, I don't know, because she's got more dogs than we could ever think of having. She's got like 12, <laughs> and I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> no. But... You know, it just, it breaks my heart for her because her life's been turned upside down with this new dog. Yep. You just think about all the step families, a very, very similar situation happens to. It is very funny how we see things that are similar with step families and step kids. Or I can think back when David's kids would say something about Jackson. I mean, I don't ever recall them saying he slobbers everywhere. He did though. He did not. <laughs> but I do remember them fussing about changes we had to make because of Jackson. You know, he was so much younger. Yeah. 
And so, you know, you moved into our home and then, so my kids looked at that as, well, we've been here, you know, for eight, nine years. It's our house. You're invading our space. Right. You come in here slobbering the floor. <laughs> and- <laughs> we have to put up gates. We're going to keep you contained. <laughs> yeah. Your and mama's sliding your food under your door. Yep. And yeah. We used to be able to have all the daddy time, and now you come here taking this. <laughs> and what's so funny is before the new dog came, I thought that our old dog was spastic. Oh, no. <laughs> I have learned to appreciate old dog so much more. Like, she's my speed. <laughs> you know, she's just chill, and for the most part, you know, you can get her riled up, but here lately, she just has this look of disgust. It is it's sad. So what do you do in this case? Do you say, okay, new dog, you got to go, because <laughs> you are upset an old dog. No, we got to give them time, people. <laughs> we got to give them time to get along. And yes, they bark and they fight and they chase each other, and it sounds like they're getting ready to rip each other apart, but you know, they're bonding. <laughs> One day they're going to look back on this and say, hey, remember when you first came and I hated you so much? Mm -hmm. Be like, yeah, but I love you now, bro. So if you need help in this situation, just join the Nacho Dog Academy. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. All right. A spinoff of the Nacho Kids Academy. It's Nacho Dog Academy. (laughs) That's funny. All right, Lori, who do we have today? We have Anna De Acosta. Not Anna. Anna. I know Anna. It's Anna. So Anna and I, we. So that fast. Anna and I, Anna and I, Anna and I. <laughs> we met, of course, through being step family coaches. Mm-hmm. And she does the mindful stepmom. Yes. And the first thing I ask her, well, one of the first things I ask her is how to meditate because I can't get my mind to stop. <laughs> so I'm not going to tell you all the answer. I'm going to let her tell you. It must not be working because your mind still ain't stopping. Or maybe it's just your mouth that ain't stopping. (laughs) So anyway, (laughs) Anna has two stepkids, 12 and 10. She's been blending about eight years. And she has three hours kids, ages five, three, and four months. Mm. Mm -hmm. She got a new baby. And they have full custody of the stepkids. The bio mom lives in a different Contrary. Oh, that's convenient. It is convenient. I want to send my... Never mind. David. (laughs) So I really enjoyed talking to Anna, mainly because I realized that a lot of our thoughts regarding blended families are very similar, and a lot of the stuff she said just supports the Nacho Kids method even more. Mm -hmm. Well, I do like that her website has some like guided meditations that you can do and all that. It's pretty good. Did you do them? I did. Did you? I did. Is that the day I found you asleep on the floor? No, I was drinking that day. Oh, okay. <laughs> Tell everybody you wasn't drinking, David. I wasn't drinking. He's making up stuff, y'all. <laughs> no, I was, that's the day you walked in. I was probably having my head down on the bed sleeping. <laughs> that happens a lot, so I don't know which day you're talking about. Yeah. So that's why, yeah, that's, why I, that's what happens when I do the meditation thing. It's no, like, dude. Tell the truth. You are the person that can go to sleep <laughs> with an air compressor blowing up balloons for your kid's birthday party. I did that. Really? An air compressor? Yep. I did that. Or if you're from England, an air compressor. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I was laying in the bathroom. Um, 
You were sitting in the bathroom. Yes, I was sitting on the floor in the bathroom, blowing up balloons with an air compressor that's going, you know, as loud as it can be. And, and I, we're too cheap to buy helium tanks. And I fell asleep. Yeah, it did. And so Lord comes in there, and I'm just, I'm just out cold, and the air, air compressor just going. And I remember thinking, <laughs> how in the world can you sleep with that noise? Well, not too long after, I went on a field trip with my son. He was probably in the first grade at this point. The bus was full of first graders. You can imagine how loud this is, right? I fell asleep. Mm -hmm. All those screaming first graders. And I tell you, when you live in a blended family with a bunch of hoodlum stepkids, you can go sleep anywhere. I know, my hoodlum stepkid. No, 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 no. no. It wasn't my, your hoodlum stepkids. It was your hoodlum kids. For me, it's just a matter of being, when you're as tired as I get after a long day, <laughs> nothing to stop you from sleeping. Well, when you got that many youngins in the house, you're tired regardless. They drain your energy. That's how they get their energy. They sap it from us. Is that what it is? It is. I don't know if it was putting it with them or putting it with you. David. <laughs> All right, let's get to Anna. Yeah, that's probably best, David. <laughs> All right. First word about the Academy. Oh, wait, wait, wait. What? We forgot to announce the winner of the Sylvia Krakauer Scholarship to the Nacho Kids Academy. All right, well, let's do it. How did I forget that, David? Um, because you were meditating. Oh, <laughs> that's what it is. You were uh, practicing erasing things from your mind. That's what it was. Okay, the winner of the... Sylvia Krakauer, Nacho Kids Academy, one month free scholarship is... Man, that's a mouthful. Brenda S. Congratulations, Brenda S. We can't wait to see you in the Nacho Kids Academy and help you better your blend, girl. Absolutely. All right, before we get to Anna, let's hear a word about the Nacho Kids Academy. There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle stepfamily challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit NachoKidsAcademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's NachoKidsAcademy.com. Today, we have Anna de Acosta. How are you today, Anna? I'm great. Thanks for asking. How are you? Good. Did I do okay with your name? Good enough. <laughs> Nobody gets it quite right, but de Acosta. De, de Acosta. Acosta. There we go. So, Anna is a stepmom herself. She's been blending eight years. Seven going on eight. Yep. Seven going on eight. And you have two stepkids. Yes. Two stepkids. They're... 12 and 10, and I have three kids of my own. So they are five, three, and a four-month-old. Oh, and those are ours, kids, right, <laughs> with you and your husband? Yes, yes. And you do stepmom stuff. You have the Mindful Stepmom, which is a meditation album. Yep. And how did you get started helping other stepmoms? Uh, so when I was living in Peru, um, I was just looking for something to do online that I could, I, I mean, I have a nurturing personality and I like to help people. So I wanted to do something where I could help people. And I asked myself, where am I thriving in my life? And, and stepmom was like the first thing that came up because at that time we had a really good relationship with bio mom. Things were just going really smoothly. Um, and so 
I had done a lot of personal work um, to sort of work through emotions of insecurity, not being enough, um, things like that, that I was feeling at the beginning. And I had done a lot of personal development work to get through those emotions. And I knew that I could help other stepmoms do the same. And there was nothing really out there in terms of meditations or affirmations for stepmoms. So I decided to create an album, a meditation album um, that helps stepmoms deal with common negative feelings and beliefs that come up around um, certain triggers or events that happen in your stepmom role. So I have like a meditation for making peace with the bio mom, um, which is available for free on my website. And um, the full album is available on iTunes, Amazon Music, or my website. And it has meditations before the stepkids come over. And it just helps you address the feelings that you're feeling. So you need to feel it to heal it first and then turn that around into something positive so you can come to the situation from an empowered place rather than a weak reactive place. Right. Yeah. So how often do you have the stepkids? Right now they're with us full time. So we were living in Peru um, for six years. We just moved to Canada almost a year ago and uh, bio moms back in Peru and the stepkids are with us here in Canada. So we're full time. We've been full time for a few years before we moved to Canada as well. So um, it started, it, it was gradually more and more time and now we're full time. But before we would only see them like on the weekends and then it would be every day after school. And then it would be, they lived with us and slept over um, and saw their mom on the weekends. And then they were with us full time. So it was a gradual shift. Right. Was it hard to get the bio mom to let you take them to Canada or was it more you had already had them full time? So it was just moving locations. Yeah, it was it was gradual. Like at the beginning, if I were to say like, you know, let's go, guys, we're all moving to Canada. I'm sure she wouldn't have it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But because she got to know me and and saw that the kids were doing well with us. she was okay with it. And yeah, everyone's really happy here. We're very lucky and blessed that everything turned out so smoothly. Mm-hmm. It wasn't always a smooth ride. So we didn't, we didn't start out getting along. Um, there was a lot of negativity on her part, um, especially at the beginning, um, you know, turning the kids against me a little bit, but as soon as she got to know me more and, and learned that things were serious between my husband and I, um, she warmed up slowly. (laughs) You know, it's interesting. Most bio moms, when they realize that the stepmom and their ex are getting serious and it's like the stepmom's going to be a permanent fixture, that's when bio mom starts acting crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say she's, I I, I don't like to talk too much about this publicly. but I'll just say that things aren't perfect right now. Um, they weren't perfect when we were there. We never co-parented. We always sort of parallel parented. Like mm-hmm. she had her way of parenting. And when they came to our home, we had to sort of start over. And it was frustrating. And and it still is sometimes, um, even with like phone contact and things that happen over the phone. But um, we all, we do get along. I don't want to rock the boat um, right. in any way. So I do share a little bit more in my private groups, but um, publicly, that's about all I'll say. <laughs> so you have a private group? <laughs> yeah, a pri- we have a private Facebook group. Um, it's a small group, intimate group that um, 
I talk to stepmoms with and help them through certain questions that may be having and talk more about my experience um, in ways that are helpful to a stepmom. Like, what can she do about these things that are out of your control? Because there's always an element of things that are out of your control. And I mean, if you get along with Biomom Great, you're probably not listening to this podcast because it's not of interest to you. It's it's right. when things don't go well that you seek help, right? Mm-hmm. I have a strange question before we go any further. Mm-hmm. Meditation. Mm-hmm. Girl, I cannot stop my mind from wondering for me to do meditation. <laughs> Help yeah, me out. So, <laughs> so that's not always the point, right? So I think people have a misconceived notion of, well, first of all, let me, let me take a step back and, and talk about meditation and mindfulness, right? Okay. So meditation is when you're actually sitting down and doing some kind of a meditative practice. What I teach is not meditation. I teach mindfulness. So mindfulness is about showing up and being in the present moment and letting go of worries of the future, anxieties of what's going to happen and thoughts of the past and just being in the present moment Mm -hmm. and enjoying or maybe not enjoying, like just being with whatever feelings are there right now and just being present with it. So it's not about necessarily like sitting down and turning your mind off. I think that's a very big misconception people have about meditation. It's about sitting or not even sitting. You can do it actively, but being present wherever you are and being observing the thoughts that are coming up. Because a lot of times we're very mindless when it comes to those things, we don't notice the thoughts that are coming up. Yes. We're just like, how many times have you driven like a, a regular route that you do dropping the kids off to school or to work and you're just sort of driving mindlessly thinking about things and you arrive at your destination and you're like, whoa, how did I get here? Like you, you totally were not present in the moment in your car. You were just like turned right. off and your mm-hmm. mind was somewhere else. Right. So it's just about being present where you are and allowing yourself to be in that moment. And so what does that have to do with being a stepmom? <laughs> a lot. A lot to do. Yeah. So a lot of the times we're controlled by thoughts that we're not even aware that we're having. Mm-hmm. So we are sitting at the dinner table and the kids don't want to eat what we, what we cooked for them. And we start getting angry and, and stories are coming up from the past of like, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, nothing I do is ever good enough, I'm not appreciated. And we react from those places without even recognizing that we're reacting from those places. We just think that we're reacting to what's happening, but there's so much more happening under the surface. And so when we can be mindful and, and recognize what actually is going through our minds, that's when we have the power to change it, right? Right. Whereas if, if, you don't, if you're not aware of it, you can't change it. Exactly. And so mindfulness is, is just a practice to help you live in the present moment more so that you're aware of what's happening and you can control what, how you react and you can act rather than react from a place of anger or whatever else you may be feeling. Right. And you and I spoke previously before we started recording about how a lot of our philosophies are the same with that regarding the Nacho Kids method, because Mm -hmm. we talk about the automatic negative thinking. 
where does that come from? The future or the fortune telling ants, you know, where you're on Wednesday, you're like, oh, the stepkids are coming Friday. I know they're going to be messy and stinky and I know they're going to make a mess in the house. And so you start Mm -hmm. stressing out two days before. Well, you've already planted that seed. So you're surely not going to be happy come Friday when the stepkids come. Mm -hmm. And and I can't remember this quote. You may be able to um, help me with this, but it's like our reactions. Eighty percent of it, I think, is based off our past. Have you ever heard that? That um, the way we react to things is not necessarily in the moment. Like you said, it's things that mm-hmm. have happened to us in the past that trigger those reactions. Yes, I don't know what the stat is, but I would think it would be more than 80%. I have heard it recently, and I think it's closer to like 90-something. Okay. Um, And it's when we're not aware of that, we're just living mindlessly and reacting to things. We're Mm -hmm. not in control. And so I think stepmoms, we really deal with control issues a lot because so much of our life is out of our control when when we have kids that are raised in another home. Mm -hmm. And so... So we have control issues, and when we're not when we're not in control of the outer situation, the good news is that we can control our inner situation. But if we're not aware of what's happening inside, we can't control that either. We're just being controlled by by circumstances on the outside and by past experiences on the inside. So the good news is that you have some control in this situation that seems so out of control, but but it starts with you and it starts with you observing your thoughts, observing where you're reacting from and beginning to, to control that first before you start to control the stepkids behavior or your husband's parenting or that, or, you know, all these things on the outside that you try to fix. The answer starts within you. Mm-hmm. So where is this reaction coming from? Why do you feel like you need to fix where, why do you feel like you're not enough? Where, where does that come from? And once you explore that, sit with it, acknowledge it, and and work through it so that you can heal it and come to a place where you're not reacting from, I don't, I'm not enough. You're coming to the situation, I am enough. And what they do is not a reflection of me and my, my self-worth, right? Yes. That is one thing that I try to preach to people all the time. The stepkids' behavior or hygiene, whatever, is not a reflection of you as a parent because you're not their parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it, but it's hard, right? When you have to go out in public yes. and people will judge you, right? Well, they will judge you for, for their appearance and for their hygiene and all that stuff because, because it looks like you are the parent and, and it's hard for us to deal with that judgment uh, mm-hmm. because we're, we're so, we're so judgmental of ourselves first and foremost. Right. Right. Yeah, And so learning to work through those issues. I mean, I think I wrote a blog about that exact issue. Like I'm embarrassed to go out in public with my stepkids. <laughs> it was a few years ago, but, but it was something along those lines. Um, and, and judgment is a big thing for stepmoms too. It's hard to, to be judged, especially if you're like a perfectionist and a control freak, like mm-hmm. I tend to be. Mm-hmm. It's important to, to work through that and learn to let go. I mean, I believe that we're put in this situation to learn something. It's not just random. It's we're, All of this is happening for a reason and we can choose to accept it and evolve or not accept it and, and become victim to it. And that's a very disempowered place to be. So it's a choice. Right. I know um, it's funny. I wrote a blog to several years ago again that said, um, those filthy youngins, they're not mine. 
or something like that. <laughs> because we do. We do. Um, we know that people judge us. We know mm-hmm. that we judge ourselves. And, you know, part of that is we judge other people. So if we see somebody with their kid that looks like they could fry eggs on their head because it's, their hair is so greasy, then, yeah, mm-hmm. you know, we think to ourselves, mm-hmm, she's not making them wash their hair. Well, you know what? She might not be their parent. And we don't mm-hmm. think about that. We just automatically are so quick to judge other people based off the limited information that we have. Yeah. And I mean, even admitting these things, like I'm embarrassed to go out in public or whatever, it's such a taboo. And it seems like you're the evil stepmom if you admit these things, right? Like, I don't like my stepkids or I don't, you know, there's so many of these things that are hidden away and mm-hmm. we, we push them down and don't express them because we feel like we're wrong and we're evil for feeling these ways, but it's normal. And right. it's when you push it down that the resentment builds up and you will explode. You'll get to a point where it will be too much and you'll explode. So it's important to have a regular outlet for those types of things. Um, and not in a negative way, because I'm, I'm very against like bad talking people and, and the stuff that you see on the internet, you know, bio mom is this, that, and the other. I, I think that that type of negativity, when you focus on that, it just makes it grow. Right. And instead of, the drama gets worse right but it's at the same time it's not about putting the other person down it's about working through your feelings like oh wow I'm really being judgy what's that about and and figuring out where that comes from within you rather than just judge 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 and like you know put the other person down just make it about yourself and what can you do yeah yeah we talk a lot about what you focus on grows so for instance if the stepmom has stepped back and she's getting mad at the bio dad for not parenting like she thinks he should. And she starts looking at him as weak. And so she's not mm-hmm. attracted to him all of a sudden. Well, that's because you're focusing on something that's negative. When you started dating this man, you didn't focus on how he parented his kids. Mm-hmm. You, you may have thought he was a good dad because he spent time with his kids and the kids were well behaved. But then when you move in, things kind of change. And it's like you're looking for bad in your husband. What do you Mm -hmm. think you're going to see? And Mm -hmm. so a lot of it is understanding why the bio parent doesn't parent like we think they should, whether it's guilty parent syndrome, whether it's they don't know how to parent, because a lot of people don't. You know, we don't get a Mm -hmm. handbook when you spit a baby out. And then... Mm -hmm. Also, how they were raised has a lot to do with it. So if they weren't raised in a strict environment, they're more than likely not going to be strict parents. Mm -hmm. And we have to consider all of that when we look at this person and not just go, oh, he's a weakling. We need to look at them and say, you know what? He's struggling with this just as much as we are. He doesn't Mm -hmm. know how to best handle this with his kids. He doesn't want to be the drill sergeant and his kids say, well, I want to go live with my mom. He feels like he's slapping in the middle of you fussing at him and the kids fussing at him and he doesn't know what to do. We have to give them some slack. And we really have to, like you said, just step back and look at things from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think when you go to the situation, like when you go to a situation like that and you're just putting him down and yelling and talking negatively, mm-hmm. who wants to change when someone talks to you that way, right? Right. I mean, you can you can approach it from a loving, supportive place instead of instead of that negative yelling. And and you're where are you coming from? You always have to check that first, right? Where mm-hmm. is this coming? This reaction coming from in you? And how can you come to the situation instead of 
from a place of fear because it has a lot to do with that. I think you're you're afraid of what's going to happen in the future if the kids keep going down this path, mm-hmm. if he keeps not disciplining them, if he keeps you know being lenient. Where are you going to be? Are you going to be bankrupt? Are you going you know all these fears right. come into play, and so you react from that fear based place, and and it just goes downhill from there. Mm-hmm. And so when you can learn to step back, recognize your fears, and and work on those fears within you, and come from a place of love and support for your kid, for your stepkids and your, your partner, because you don't want them to end up like in a bad place in life. You're, you're everything you do. You, you believe that your kids need discipline. You believe that they need boundaries and you're doing it because you want what's best for them. But sometimes your approach is so negative that it seems like you're, you're against them. And I think that makes, you know, your husband, your partner, get repelled by you instead of attracted to the loving force that you want to be for the family you're you're sort of doing the opposite I'm not saying you like you but but you know in general generally speaking um and I know that's been the case for me and it still is the case sometimes when I want something when I want something for my kids that is good for them I sometimes tend to react from that like authoritative oh no but this needs to happen and it's like it's not a very attractive force. Whereas right. when you come from it from a loving place, people are more open to listening to you. And if and if um, they don't accept what you say, that's okay too. And I right. think we were talking about that before we got on the call about letting go of the outcome, right? So it's mm-hmm. not about not doing anything necessarily. Some, sometimes it is, right? Sometimes you need to step back completely and not do anything. Mm-hmm. But sometimes... You can do things as long as you're coming from a loving place, not a fear-based reactive place and let go of the outcome. So if you try your best and it doesn't work, it doesn't do anything, that's okay if you can let go of the outcome. Right. And a lot of times too, even if the stepmom can let go of the outcome, it depends on the interaction with their husband or significant other. So Mm -hmm. if I make a suggestion to my husband and say, you know, one of your kids um, isn't doing him good in math. Maybe he should go to a tutor and just leave it at that and say, okay, I have mm-hmm. no expectations of whether the child's going to go to a tutor, but I said my piece. Exactly. But if your significant other reacts negatively to your suggestions, then a lot of times that's where you do have to step back even further because nobody likes to hear anything negative about their kid. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we're we're defensive. That's what we are as parents. We want to protect our babies. And so Mm -hmm. it could be where I can say, little Johnny's not doing well in math. Let's try to get him a tutor. Or I think it would be best if he had a tutor. And your significant other could honestly hear your kid is stupid. Exactly. And that's, that's him being triggered, right? Right, right. That's like his stuff, not yours. And, Mm -hmm. And I think when you come from a loving place, and let go of the expectation. And he, re- if he still reacts that way, like what my kid's not stupid, da, 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 you can sort of detach yourself from that and see, Oh, that's his stuff. That's not mine. Mm-hmm. That's his, you know, stuff that he needs to deal with. And, right. and that's, that's coming from an empowered, detached, but loving place. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, when they hear the word detached, they think it's cold and mean. Yes. But I think, you can detach with love. And in many situations, detaching is the most loving thing you could do. Because when you think that you know best and you're 
trying to dictate what everyone else should do, that's not coming from a loving place. You're, you're stripping people of their autonomy and their ability to make their own decisions. And, and that's not coming from a loving place, right? Right. And, you know, nachoing, it gets a bad rap. And it's just because people don't understand it. They, like you said, they think of detaching and, oh, that's mean. The stepmom's being mean. No, it's not. Um, now, when I started nachoing, the disengaging part of the nachoing method, it was not out of place of love for my stepkids. It was out of a place for love for my husband. Because mm-hmm. there was a lot of hurt between me and the stepkids. But at the time, I couldn't see really a lot of love there. But if I didn't, quote, quote, love them, I wouldn't have cared if their teeth fell out of their heads from not brushing their teeth. So mm-hmm. I, I did care. No, I didn't love them like my own child. And I never will. I love mm-hmm. them in their own unique way. But for me, and I am kind of a control freak too, so... At first, I was like, why am I the only one that has to change? Why do I have to give up control? That's not right. And then Mm -hmm. I realized, okay, well, I thought, okay, well, if I give up control, then I'm going to be weak and I'm going to be a doormat and I'm going to be a yes girl. And that's not who I am. But then Mm -hmm. I realized and it hit me. It was like the ultimate control is how you let things affect you. Mm-hmm. Me getting mad for 20 minutes because the stepkid did something wrong was crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. You spent 20 minutes of your life mad because the dishes weren't done or the cereal box was empty or they left their sock in the middle of the kitchen floor. You have to give things the proper emotional weight or you will drive yourself insane. Yeah. And and I mean, you said you did it at the beginning for out of love for your husband and Mm -hmm. not for your stepkids but I think even going beyond that you probably also did it for love of yourself right yes because if you don't I mean you could you can and I think a lot of stepmoms come to that place where they're like what I don't want to be a doormat and say yes to everything and and it's not about that it's about detaching with love while holding healthy boundaries for yourself as the ultimate self-love method for you right Right. It's really for you because you're giving yourself the peace of mind. You letting go of control doesn't mean that the situation is controlling you. It's quite the opposite. You're becoming empowered mm-hmm. to do what's best for you and take care of your mental health first. And when you do that, you can be a better wife and you can show up for your kids in a healthier way rather than an angry, reactive dictator, you know, trying to get them to do this, that, and the other that you think they should do. And right. it's, it's coming from a place of love. And when you love yourself, that's where it all comes from, right? That's where your love mm-hmm. for everyone else comes from. And if that's not there, you can't fully love another person, I believe. Right. And I agree with you. I know one thing that I realized once I stepped back was all the time that I missed out having good times with my son because I was more worried about seeing what the stepkids did wrong or Mm -hmm. I was mad about what they did wrong, which made me on edge. So when my son did something, I went to the extreme with my reaction because you're already there. Somebody's already lit that fuse, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of times it's just a matter of not focusing on those things. And Mm -hmm. one thing I learned was, If I came home and the dishes weren't done and it made me mad, it's okay to be mad. But it's not okay for me to take 15, 20 minutes and be mad at everybody and everything because the dishes weren't done. So what I would Mm -hmm. do is I would walk away from the situation. 
I would regroup. And guess what? When I walked back in there, knowing the dishes weren't done, instead of it being a quote, quote, surprise and making me mad, I wasn't as mad about it because I had prepared myself for them not being done. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And, and we have to be careful with that, though, because that goes back to that negative thinking or um, what's the crystal ball thinking, where it's, I know when I get home, those dishes aren't going to be done. You, you, can't, mm-hmm. you can't rile yourself up. You know, but you can figure out how to approach a situation once you know what you're dealing with. Yeah. And I think like the anger is there for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're angry about something, it's not like, okay, just forget about it. It's happening for a reason. And your job as part of your own self-care is to express that anger in a healthy way, whether that means locking yourself in a room and hitting pillows, which I've been doing a lot lately (laughs) when my three-year-old won't fall asleep. Um, But like expressing that anger in a healthy way, because if you don't express it, if you just suppress it, it'll eat you up from the inside out. Mm -hmm. And so expressing it and being able to come back to the situation calm and, and from a different mindset, right? And when you come to the situation differently, the situation changes and people change. And if, you know, if you're coming to the situation yelling at everyone, everyone's going to hear that. They're going to get annoyed by you and they're maybe not going to do it just to get you angry, right? Yeah, some people like to rile you up. Yeah. When you come to the situation calm, let go of the outcome and, and are able to, you know, talk to your stepkids maybe calmly and say, you know what, guys, I need you to do the dishes. And, And sometimes like, Detachment in those situations is not the best thing, I think, because it's your, it is your home. You have authority in your home. And especially if you have younger kids, it's really hard to just let the stepkids' behavior be whatever it is if it's something that's affecting the rest of your family. You can't let, like, if your stepkids are in a bad mood, you get angry and then everybody's angry. And it's just like this little, like, negativity ball that you throw back and forth or this angry you know, thing that happens. And it's not, it's not productive to anyone, not to your stepkids, not to you, not to your husband, not to your kids. And when you can step back and sort of be the change you want to see in your family, it's like, it's such a simple principle, but it's so hard to do, right? It's so hard to, to diffuse that anger when you're in the moment. And, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's ba- it, it is best to just step back, express it somewhere else, not with your family so that it doesn't become that build up and then you explode. Right. Or take it out on your, your own kids, which they didn't do anything to deserve it. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, let's talk about that for a second, because a lot of people think that nachoing is just sweeping it under the rug and not dealing with it. And that's not the case because we Mm -hmm. do teach the tools to look at things differently, you know, self um, reflection and things like that. It's not it's just sweeping it under the rug, but a lot of it is just not letting it make you lose control. And, mm-hmm. you know, you've got a good point. And I see it in my group all the time. And somebody will say, well, my stepkids are lazy. They don't do anything. And I want my kids to, you know, do better. I want them to have chores and responsibilities. And it's not fair. Well, my response to that is, because we went through that here, is mm-hmm. now we don't have hours, kids. So I, I'm curious as to your um, outlook on it, because you do have hours, kids. But my son, it was simple. I'm your mother. I choose how to raise you. I choose how to parent you. If I tell you that your chore is X, Y, and Z, that's what you're going to do. 
David is the parent of the brothers. And if he tells them they don't have to do chores, that's his choice. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times we relate it to the neighbor. You know, little Susie, she never has to do chores. Her mom and dad let her do whatever she wants to. Well, that doesn't mean that I'm going to lower my expectations for my son because somebody else doesn't have the same expectations for their kids. Mm-hmm. Now, coming from an hours kid standpoint, I give basically the same advice of you raise your kids like you want to. And you can't force your significant other to parent like you think he should So focus on your hours, kids, and focus on what you can do to make things better with the blend. If the stepkid's not doing anything and they're lazy and their dad's not making them, what are your options? Well, your options are for you to make them do it. And with you having your stepkids full-time, that may work for you. But a lot Mm -hmm. of people, it doesn't even work for them when they have them full time because the kids don't listen and they get mad. And then the dad comes home and it's your kid didn't do the dishes and I told them to and they back talked me and da, 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 da. And that's Mm -hmm. when I suggest that they kick into more of a nanny type role where they step back emotionally more than physically. And they say when, you know, the dad comes home, they say, hey, do you mind doing the dishes? And he'll think, well, that was little Susie's job, but you didn't say little Susie didn't do the dishes. You just said, can you do the dishes without pointing out anything negative about his kids? Then he can choose whether to make her do them or do them himself. Mm-hmm. But when you kick into that nanny role, you know, and I know a lot of people get offended by that, you know, I'm not a nanny. Well, emotionally, it's better for you to be a nanny than to be a stepmom that feels like you have no control. So when dad comes home and he says, how did things go? Give him a report like you would if you were their babysitter. You wouldn't sit there as a babysitter and list 75 things they did wrong in two hours. You wouldn't do that. You would just Mm -hmm. basically say, well, you know, there were a few times that they were acting up. But other than that, things were okay. I mean, as long as nobody's getting hurt, you don't need to tell them every single punch and blow that happened while they were gone. That annoyed you. Yeah. And I think when you do the work on yourself, you, you find that you don't, those things don't bother you anymore. So you don't need to, to go there. Right. You right. don't need to tell him everything. But um, I mean, in our situation, we've been lucky because my husband and I are, are really on the same page on most issues when it comes to parenting. Mm-hmm. So if, if the stepkids are doing something that, that we are not in agreement with, he'll usually talk to them or I mean, we've gotten to a point where I'll talk to them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I treat all my kids the same in terms of discipline now. I mean, it wasn't like that at the beginning. Um, yep, that's what I was getting ready the to point say. That we've gotten to. Yeah, exactly. If, I mean, to. if you step in and do that from the beginning, you're setting yourself up for disaster because who are you, right? You, it, right. It takes time to, to build that relationship where you can do those, like, you know, say those things to them and tell them what to do and they'll respect you enough to, to do it, right? To listen right. to you. Mm-hmm. Whereas at the beginning, they don't. And they and and if you just step in and, and from that sort of combative place, like I'm here and you have to respect me, that, that kind of backfires. Yeah, I'm the adult. You do as I say. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it really backfires because kids are rebellious, right? They yes. have that nature in them. And, and then it turns into like you telling your husband, him having to protect them from you and you from them. And you're putting him in a very uncomfortable position 
and causing that conflict, I think. Um, the husband can't win at that point. Exactly. And so, like, I think it's important to, to be cognizant of your husband's role in all of that and, and to get on the same page with your parenting style. So even if, you know, there, there are certain things like, so, okay, fine. You and your husband are, might be on the same page, but bio mom might not be on the same page. And that's mm-hmm. our situation. Like me and my husband are on the same page, but bio mom isn't. So she's, she teaches them different values and things. And then when they used to come back from her house to our home, they would sort of teach those values by osmosis to my kids, right? Because they mm-hmm. would act in a certain way. They would do certain things that I was not in agreement with. And my little ones would start doing that. So at that point, it becomes, is it that important, right? Mm-hmm. So if it's, you really have to gauge it like per situation, per what's happening, is it that important? So for example, like if they're allowed to play with toy guns and you're against that, how important is that for you? Is it worth the fight? Is it worth it to, to get in there and, and enforce rules and, you know, you're, you're going to have to deal with the conflict? Is it that important or can you let this go? And you can't be picking on every little thing when there are differences from one home to another because mm-hmm. you're putting your stepkids in a really stressful situation if they're expected to be like perfect, clean little angels in your home. And then when they go back to mom's, it's like free for all. Right. And it's, it's hard, right? Because kids thrive on consistency. So you really have to take it thing by thing. And, and is it that important? And can you let this go? And then right. learning to let go. And if it is that important, if it's something that's really a big issue, like lying, for example, like they learn to lie in bio mom's home, and then they come to your home and teach the little ones to lie. That's not going to fly, right? Mm-hmm. And you need to have a sit down with your husband and the stepkids, whatever the, whatever your parenting style is, if you're involved, then you get involved there. If you're not involved and it's just your husband, then he has that conversation with them. But you really need to pick your battles, right? Right. Yeah. Which hill are you willing to die on? And it's usually not over food or toy guns or mm-hmm. you don't want to be in divorce court. And they say, why are you getting divorced? Well, um, he didn't make them stop playing with the toy guns. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was putting the correct weight on things. And you mentioned being on the same page with parenting. And one thing's mm-hmm. interesting, before David and I got married, we took this little quiz, and it was 100 questions, and he had gotten it from a preacher friend, I think, of his. And a lot of it had to do with, you know, parenting kids, finances, things of that nature. Out of the 100 questions, we had one answer different. So we're thinking, oh, yeah, we're good. We're good. <laughs> well, here's the thing. David will admit that he didn't parent even like he thought he should because mm-hmm. he had guilty parent syndrome. Mm-hmm. And part of that guilty parent syndrome was when his ca- kids were here every other week, he didn't want to spend three days out of the week fussing with them and fighting with them and putting them on restriction. He didn't want that to be all he did with his time with them. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like he was a bad dad. He just picked his own battles of, is it really worth arguing with them and putting them on restriction because they didn't do this to where they won't want to come back here because at their mom's, it was a free for for all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the dad's struggling with that too. But here's the funny Mm -hmm. thing. It was easy for me to tell David, your kids are 14 years old. They should be doing this themselves. Now Mm -hmm. that my son is 14 years old, 
I don't mind doing those same things I fussed at David for doing about with his kids. Yeah, I completely agree with that statement. Like before I had my own kids, I think I was a lot harder on on my stepkids and on bio mom for the way she raised them. Mm-hmm. And then when I had my own kids, I realized, hey, this isn't her fault. This is a personality thing. This is like, it's just the way it is. And and I feel really bad for, for being so judgmental because I, I, in my limited knowledge of parenting, not being a mom, you blame parents for things that aren't their fault, right? Mm-hmm. And it comes back to that thing we were talking about, judgment, right? Right. Um, and, and I think that, that is my only regret. I was asked that once on a podcast, like, what would you do differently? That's the only thing I would do differently is not be so hard on bio mom or the way that she parented because it, certain things I put on her that weren't her fault and weren't anyone's fault, really. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have that knowledge at that time to know that. And right. so if, if there are any stepmoms out there listening who don't have their own kids, just be very gentle and, and before you judge, right? Because mm-hmm. it's not always, it's sometimes it's just a kid thing. Like five-year-olds, four-year-olds, they like to get up from the table 20 times, you know? Right. It is, it is the way it is. And it's not a discipline issue. It's just a five-year-old issue. Yeah. Um, I was at the orthodontist with my son the other day, and this lady had a newborn and then she had a little boy that was probably three, and then her daughter was maybe 12. And mm-hmm. so she's, you know, sitting there. The daughter is waiting for the orthodontist to come talk to her. The baby's being perfect. The little boy just starts going crazy, starts screaming, I want that up. I want that up. I think it was like the shade or something on the window. And mm-hmm. so she's trying to calm him down. And you can tell, here we go, she's embarrassed. Why is she embarrassed? Mm-hmm. It's because everybody sitting in that other room was judging her for either not getting up and popping his tail for being, you know, unruly or because she just couldn't get him to calm down. And so I know she was embarrassed. And I told my son, I said, I was about to go ask her if I could help her because, you know, let me hold the baby and you deal with him or let me distract him and take him outside. Because I remember one time taking my son to the Discovery Place. It's a place um, in Charlotte, North Carolina, and it's an awesome place. Well, he was not being a good kid that day. Um, He was wanting to not share and all the kids wanting to play with the trains. He would take their trains and like, you know, no, they're mine. And so I kept trying to talk to him, and he just wasn't having anything to do with it. So I said, if you don't share and let the other people play with the trains, then we're going to leave. Well, of course, he didn't share, so we left. You would have thought that I beat this youngin. He was laying on the floor, screaming, crying. I was so embarrassed because Mm -hmm. my three-year-old was acting like a hoodlum. Mm -hmm. But was that my fault? What should I have done? I mean, should I have just said, okay, you know, you can steal everybody else's toys and you don't have to share? No, no, that's not going to work that way. But mm-hmm. I tell you what, the next time I took his little butt back to that place, he was sharing like crazy. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I was so embarrassed coming out of that elevator because I know those people heard him screaming and I was mad. I was aggravated. And being a parent is stressful on a good day. And then you've yeah. got the child <laughs> acting like this and you're worried about everybody judging you and you just want to scream, you know? Uh, yeah, but but that happens, right? That's like three-year-olds are learning to process their emotions and they mm-hmm. have outbursts like that sometimes. Right. And it's it's just their way of coping and learning how to deal with their emotions. 
And we expect our three-year-olds to have their emotions like on lockdown and, and know how to deal with them when we're, we're grown-ups and we don't know how to deal with our emotions, right? We get angry. Honey, I wanted to lay down on the floor and throw a tantrum too. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh, you should. You should have. <laughs> I've I've been I've been doing that lately. I've been working with a coach myself, um, and one of the activities she has us doing is locking ourselves in our room and throwing a tantrum on the bed and just kicking and screaming, and it's so cathartic. It's amazing. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's it's a great activity when you're feeling angry and you need to like get rid of that anger because it lives in your body and it gets trapped, right? Right. It gets trapped in your body and then you're walking around irritated and, and you blow up at the next person who does something, some small little thing wrong. Mm-hmm. And so instead of like, re, instead of directing that anger at someone or something, you just like disperse it when you're in your own place, your own safe space. And, and it doesn't affect you throughout the day. It's amazing. <laughs> and so like, I, I, I have this newfound appreciation for temper tantrums. <laughs> yes. I had my husband get me a punching bag. <laughs> it's good. It's good stuff. Like if if you can release your anger in those healthy ways, mm-hmm. it's it's the best gift you can give to your family because you show up calm and relaxed and and from a completely different place, right? Have you seen those smash rooms? No, I haven't. Basically, you go, you go to this place and you pay and they give you a sledgehammer or something similar to just tear up everything in the room. Oh my gosh, sign me up. <laughs> no, that, that that's a great way. I think like the violence that's happening in our world these days is just so much suppressed anger. And if you can release it in, in healthy ways like that, I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this lady in one of my Facebook groups was like, oh, I went to the smash thing. And I was like, what is that? And she sent me pictures. And I was like, man, that's awesome. Because they had glass things that she could tear up and little concrete mm-hmm. stuff. And I mean, no, granted, they weren't beating the walls with the sledgehammers. But mm-hmm. I think there was pain involved where they could just throw pain everywhere and just get it out. Just get yeah. it out. And then we, we expect our, our little ones not to, right? It's, yeah. it's kind of crazy the way that we think in society and, and things that are appropriate and that aren't. And I think because being angry is not appropriate, there's no mm-hmm. safe place for, for expressing that. And it, it causes more problems when you don't express it. Right. And it's like society expecting stepmoms to love their stepkids like their own. That's mm-hmm. unrealistic. It's judgmental. It makes the stepmoms that don't love their stepkids like their own feel like crap. And mm-hmm. honestly, most of the time when I hear somebody say that, I'll say, how old are your kids? Well, I don't have any. Then mm-hmm. you don't love them like your own. You don't have any idea. Mm-hmm. And I think like that doesn't mean that it's less than, right? I think people get really offended. People that don't have kids that, that say you don't love your stepkids like your own because you don't have kids, right? Mm-hmm. If you say that to someone, they'll get offended. Yeah. But it's, doesn't, it's not a, um, an insult that love is still equally special. I'm not like, it's not about being less than better than it's just different, right? Your love for your, your father is different than your love for your partner and your love for your kids. It's it's different. doesn't mean one is more special than the other. Exactly. One is more important. And I think when people try to place these relationships into hierarchies like that, like this is more important, this comes first and this comes second. It's, it's not about that. And, and it shifts, right? What comes first in one situation will be different than what comes first in another situation. Yes. And it drives me nuts when I see that in the Facebook group. You know, how do things rank? 
do you love your husband more or your kids more or do you mm-hmm. love the no 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 it's 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 not a one two three mm-hmm. you know exactly i yeah i wrote a blog about that one too that was one of my most popular blogs actually people love that hearing that because i think you i mean even i when i when i started dating my husband he told me my kids come first but when mm-hmm. i saw like how he was reacting it wasn't that wasn't the case in all of the situations right so it's not mm-hmm. it's not about who comes first it's about what's best for the family as a whole and in each particular situation in one right. situation the kids needs might trump mine right if if the kids are sick and they need to be taken care of and i want to go to the spa like the kids needs are more important right but mm-hmm. if i'm sick and i need to be taken care of and the kids need to go to soccer like i'm more important in that situation right right so it's not about a total like a totalitarian hierarchy of this is most important and everything has to circle around this and the kids and whatever it, it's not about that and that that conversation like just needs to be shifted it's not about a hierarchy let's talk about that for a second because i know you see it as much as i do relationship experts will say your marriage must come first. Well, mm-hmm. to me, now granted, you know, I've got my son that I had him before David and I met. My son comes first. And that again doesn't mean that David's second, really. It means that I have a responsibility to raise my kid. He can't go live on his own. He can't, you know, take care of himself, but David can. Mm-hmm. But I think like it it's it's not about looking at it as if this comes first, then that means the other thing comes second. Right. If your relationship comes first, like what you said, right? If your relationship mm-hmm. comes first, I don't know. I think even using that word first, if you use first, then it, it assumes that there's a second, third, fourth, right? Right. So I think that that wording is needs to be avoided because it opens things up to that conversation of, well, that comes second, that no, it's not about first. It's not about second. It's about prioritizing your relationship. And that doesn't mean in every single situation, but as a whole, right? Mm-hmm. Your relationship needs to be important. It's a core part of your family. Right. But it's not about this is more important than that. This comes first, second, third. It's just a core. Right. And it's the same thing as being the second wife or the third wife, whatever you are. It doesn't mean that you're less than the first wife in any way, Mm -hmm. shape or form. And I understand that people um, have a lot of insecurities when it comes to being the second wife. And I never really had those. I don't know why, but I never really looked at it as me being second in any way, shape or form. It was this is who I am now. I'm his wife now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I also I didn't I, I don't think I had those insecurities either, but it was because of our situation, um, which I'm not going to get into the details of that. But I mean, those are all just insecurities that need to be worked out within the individual. And it's like comparisons and judgments are so dangerous. And, and it's not like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. We need to learn to let go of those things. I mean, it's it's easier said than done. Everything I talk about is is so simple, but but hard to implement, right? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, don't judge. That's easy to say, but I mean, I'll go off and judge a mom on the street the next day, right? Right. But it's about being mindful, and it's all going back to that mindfulness and catching yourself. Oh, I'm really being judgmental. I'm going to stop. I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to shut up. I'm not going to share that comment. I'm not, you know? Right. It's about acknowledging those feelings and thoughts and and 
choosing not to express them. Yes. Yes. I remember sitting in a meeting at work. Um, it was after I had nachoed with the kids, you know, so I had already reengaged at that point. And I was sitting in a meeting and something they were doing, I remember thinking, there's a better way. And then I remember thinking, but they're really not going to listen to me. I know they're not. Is it worth me spending this energy and getting aggravated that they're probably not going to take my advice, even though it is, you know, valid advice? And then finally, I was like, I'm just going to let them do their own thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Or or the other thing would have been like to, to say the advice, but let go of the outcome, right? If they don't want to take it, they're lost, but there it is, right? Right. So ha- what's a good way that you can tell people some tools or something to let go of the outcome? Because that's not easy at all. Oh, no, it's not. Um, It's easy to say. It's easy to talk about. Uh And I mean, it's not the biggest thing when you're doing this type of work is self-compassion because you're never going to get it perfect. I don't get it perfect. And I've been practicing these principles for over 10 years now. It's not about perfection or mastering or getting to a level where, you know, you're not going to have bad thoughts. That's not going to happen. It's right. just about celebrating those moments where you do catch yourself thinking negative things and not reacting on them. Mm-hmm. Celebrating those things. Pat yourself on the back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when you when you slip up, self-compassion, so key. I mean, especially if you're a perfectionist because there's no such thing as perfection. And when you can acknowledge that you did something wrong and show compassion towards yourself, you're teaching your kids to do the same, mm-hmm. right? And I mean, your kids learn more from how you show up than what you tell them, I think. So if you're telling them, you know, clean your room, meanwhile, your room is a disaster, they're going to learn that that's not that important because it's not important to you, obviously, if your room's a disaster, you know? And and it's especially true for the emotional things. If you're telling them, you know, let that stuff go, don't be angry. Meanwhile, you're running around angry all the time. They're going to see that and absorb that and, and become that rather than learn what you're trying to teach them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so letting go of the outcome isn't easy. And so when you do it, celebrate. And when you fail, have compassion. And, and I love the term fail forward because every time you fail, it's just an opportunity to move forward and, and do it better next time around. Right. And so when you're, when you're letting go of an outcome, you need to check where you're coming from. It's, it's so much about your energy and, and what's happening in your own mind. Right. Is it a need to win? Is that what it uh-huh. is? Because a lot of times that's the case. Yeah. Or a need to be, to be praised or to be like looked up on as like, wow, look, you're so great. And, and how can you give that to yourself? Mm-hmm. That which you're lacking, right? If you're lacking, if you're looking for praise on the outside, that means that you're lacking praise within yourself and you need to start loving yourself more and you need to start recognizing yourself for all the great things that you are Yes. and fill up your cup first, right? Fill yes. up your cup first. And, but first notice like what's lack, what's lacking for you? What are you looking for in this situation mm-hmm. and how can you give that to yourself first? And I mean, it's hard to talk about these things in such abstract ways because it depends on the situation, right? Right. But letting go of the outcome, like like what you were talking about with the, the tutoring. Let's go back to that example because examples really help, I think, in this situation. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it depends on what the situation is. So tutoring is a good example because it's something that if they don't get tutored, 
they're not going to die. It's not the end of the world. Nothing's going to happen. You know, it's not like an abusive situation. Right. So if it's an abusive situation, I would never say, oh, just let go of the outcome. It's all good. No, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a little different, right? Like, let's, let's put that disclaimer out there. But if it's something like tutoring, like you want them to get tutoring, you feel strongly about it because you want your kids to be smart. You want them to get a good, you know, start in life. And so you suggest that and your partner says, no, that like he might react angrily, right? Like, oh, my kids aren't stupid. They don't need tutoring. And so you get in there and fight for it even more. You're fighting and you're against him and, and you're just creating that negative energy and it's not going to end well, right? But if right. you can come from a place of love, you come to this, it all depends on how you come to the situation. You come to the situation and you tell him, you know what? Like, I think that, I see him struggling and I think that this would really help him so that he can get a good start in life. And I really want that for him. And your husband reacts and says, no, that's, I've got kids, not stupid, blah, blah, blah. And you know, whatever that negative reaction is, Mm -hmm. you could just say, you just step back and say, okay, thank you for listening to me and let it go. Right. And two, one of the things that I've learned, and I don't want to say it's a game, but Some people could say it's a game on words, but instead of saying, hey, little Johnny seems to be struggling in math, I think he should get a tutor to help him. Instead, say, hey, I noticed that um, little Johnny was struggling in math or I heard you talking about it. Do you think it would be beneficial for him to get a tutor? That way you're not telling the dad what he needs to do. And at the same time, by you not telling him what he needs to do or what you think he needs to do, you're not setting yourself up for wanting an outcome. Mm-hmm. That's true. Mm-hmm. You're leaving it up to him. You're exactly. turning it into a question and letting him have that decision and that control over that decision. To, so when I ask somebody a question, yeah, I may hope they go one way or another, but it's not the same as if I tell them my suggestion and they ignore it. Mm-hmm kind of put the ball in their court. Exactly. I think that's a, a really smart way of looking at it. And and if you are triggered by his reaction, if his reaction makes you angry or you have like an urge to, to scream and shout and stand up for your position even more, mm-hmm. I suggest you step back in that situation and journal and, and figure out what is happening within you. Like, why are you, why does that situation make you so angry? What about it makes you so angry? Right. And it's probably like, because he's not taking my consideration, my um, opinion into consideration and I don't matter. Mm-hmm. And that's like the, the limiting belief that you're coming from is I don't matter. You feel like you don't matter, but that might not be what he's saying to you, but that's what you're hearing. Right. Right. And so you're coming back from, I don't matter. And you're trying to make yourself matter when it's not about that. And so you're reacting from a place that is sort of like a wounded child place within you Mm -hmm. instead of an empowered woman trying to help a child. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes perfect sense. Um, As you were saying that I was thinking, or right before you said that I was thinking, you know, it's like kids. They say that kids act out when they feel like they don't have any control. So Mm -hmm. to give them, you know, limited and simple control, like which outfit do you want to wear today? Or do you want tea or water for dinner? You know, just little Mm -hmm. choices so they feel like they have some control. And I think that as a stepmom, we feel like we don't have any control. And so we Mm -hmm. do start going back to when we were three years old and we didn't have any control and everybody told us what to do and we had to be okay with it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, because at work, you're already that way. You're, you have yeah. a boss. They tell you what to do. You come home. You, the last thing you want is to be told what you can and can't do by your husband in regards to their stepkids or your stepkids. Mm-hmm. And I think like when you're when you acknowledge that you're reacting from one of those wounded places within you, one of those chi- like inner child wounded places within you, you have an opportunity to heal that so that you can show up as your best self. And how would you show up differently if you believed that you did matter? If that wasn't, you know, it wasn't about, I don't matter. It right. was, I do matter. I know I matter. Mm-hmm. He's reacting this way, but I know I matter. Right. And it completely changes the energy. Right. And it's not just, I mean, sometimes it is just about asking yourself that question, like the feeling into the opposite limiting belief. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times there's some work for you to do, like some personal development, personal growth work, which is what I help stepmoms with as well, of how you can heal that negative reaction so that you can show up as your best self. Mm-hmm. And it's very important. When I look back at my life before I started nachoing and the whole method, I was not a very happy person. I was stressed all the time. I let those negative thoughts just run rampant in my head and didn't even think about it. They just took control. And mm-hmm. now I feel like I'm so much more relaxed. Now, when I first started mm-hmm. nachoing and disengaged from the stepkids, I did. I felt like I'd won the lottery, like the weight of the world was lifted off my shoulders. But through time and through working on myself and realizing my impact on the blend, whether it was negative or positive, helped me tremendously to not get so upset about things and to not let something that shouldn't matter in, you know, five minutes affect me for 30 minutes. Because if you want to realize how valuable time is, five minutes may not seem like a lot, but sit there for five minutes, put a timer on your phone and do nothing for five minutes and just sit mm-hmm. there. That is a long time. Mm-hmm. So you're spending all this energy and upsetting yourself. And we know that stress comes from all this and stress will kill you people. It really will. Hey, yep. It's the cause of a lot of disease. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I was going through all this stuff, um, of course, before I started nachoing, the doctors thought I had pancreatic cancer because mm-hmm. I had lost so much weight because I was sick all the time. I was tired. Um, I was I was a wreck. I was a wreck. Like I was wearing children's clothes. That's how much weight I had lost. And I didn't mm-hmm. even realize it because we aren't self-aware a lot of times. And I remember seeing somebody that I knew through David at Walmart. And um, I was like, hey, how are you? The look he gave me was like, I don't know who you are, but you look like a crackhead. Get away from me. Mm. And it, I mean, really, I did. I was very unhealthy. And mm-hmm. once I started the whole nachoing process, not only did it help me physically, but mentally. And, mm-hmm. you know, we say that we learn from our trials, but I am so thankful that we went through that because it has made me a lot stronger person, a lot better person, and a lot happier of a person. Yes, exactly. And I mean, I just posted something on my Instagram um, that was a quote that said, you can't change the cards you're dealt, only how you play them. That's right. And I think that that encompasses the stepmom role so, 
so well. Mm-hmm. And it's about learning how to play those cards that you've been dealt and, and you can do it. And it's, it's not impossible. It's not always easy. It's definitely not always easy. But when you start by looking at yourself and your role and doing what is in your power to do and not trying to control things that are out of your control, that's where your peace and happiness and purpose lies. Right. I remember it used to drive me crazy when the stepkids would come back from their moms because, like I said, she was the fun time parent. And I just, I'm like, how can she be that way? And why is she not making them do their homework? And why doesn't she make them take baths? And does she not realize that swimming in a public pool is not the same as taking a bath or a shower? And like you said, I was judging her. Mm -hmm. Now, granted, I haven't came to the same place of you to where I feel bad about it because I still don't understand a lot of her decisions regarding the kids. But Mm -hmm. I have to say that I think it's more of just a different personality. She Mm -hmm. has always wanted to be more of their friend than a parent. Yeah. And I think it's not even, it's not just about personality. Um, It's about your mental health, right? And if someone's doing that to their kids, then they're probably not the healthiest person mentally. Right. And, And I have a lot of compassion for for mental health issues because I come from a family where alcoholism um, was prominent and that affected me a lot. And I think I'm able to be compassionate towards people who have mental problems, mental health problems, who are not dealing with life the best way because I know what that, what that is like personally. Right. Um, I mean, I was never an addict, but I definitely 100% was codependent. Mm-hmm. And, and it still comes out in different ways. And that's part of, you know, my self-care and making sure that I'm taken care of and not overgiving. Uh, but, but I have a, uh, an understanding of mental health issues that, and a compassion for it, I guess, that, right. that yeah, that, that's why I, I can, you know, feel bad about judging and, and those kinds of things, I think, because I know what it's like for that person. And they must be going through a lot of suffering themselves if they are reacting in these ways towards mm-hmm. their own children. Yeah. You know, um, my sister, she had a very tough life. She was an alcoholic. Um, then she got sober and then her husband took their child to his mom's and never brought her back. So, you know, by the time my sister went to court and, Anytime she would go try to get the child, there was no court order. So the cops would tell her she had to leave. And Mm. she ended up with um, a very bad mental state. She was diagnosed Mm -hmm. as bipolar. She ended up getting hooked on drugs. Um, And she was judged. Like you said, she was judged. And you would think I would maybe be more compassionate about that towards the kid's mom. But as I'm sitting here talking to you, you know what part of my problem is with her? Mm. She cheated on my husband. Mm-hmm. She hurt him, and from my standpoint, she threw her marriage away. Mm-hmm. And that is probably where my distaste for her comes from, more so than mm-hmm. her not parenting. It's because mm-hmm. I just think she's a crappy person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I understand that completely. Um, I, I'm from. I come from a philosophy where I believe that if you have that like anger and hatred towards another person. It's, it's like a hot, holding a hot coal and, mm-hmm. and throwing it at the other person. You're hurting yourself first, right? Right. Holding that anger and that negativity towards another person, you're, you're hurting yourself first. And mm-hmm. so, um, 
yeah, there, there's, I think there's the best thing we can do in those situations is work on ourselves and, and learn to forgive. I mean, that's probably a word you, you don't want to hear when, when it comes to those kinds of things. But forgiveness is really about letting yourself let it go. It's not about letting the other person off the hook for what they did. And that's part of the program that, that I offer for stepmoms. Forgiveness is a major part of it. And mm-hmm. a lot of stepmoms are resistant to that word even because they think it's, it's about letting the other person off the hook. It's not about that. It's about freeing yourself from the burden of holding that anger. Yeah, exactly. Because you're the one hurting yourself. Mm-hmm. You're the one yeah. that's sitting here. Just say, for instance, if it if I got upset about the kid's mom that she did something, if I sat here and stewed on that, she's out doing her thing. She could care less. I, who's mm-hmm. the one suffering? I am. Exactly. Who's the one that's distracted by it and my focus is on what she's doing wrong as a parent so I can't Mm -hmm. focus on the good in life Mm -hmm, exactly and I mean it's so easy to say oh just let it go but like how do you let it go because it it eats you up from the inside out right it Mm -hmm. it will eat you up and so it's not about just letting it go there's a whole process to letting things like that go and and you go through the work you do the work it's hard personal development work to be to get to that place where you're able to let those things go. It's not easy. It's simple, but it's definitely not easy. And, and it's possible and it's freeing, but it's not easy and you have to do the work. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's so important because you can't grow. You can't progress if you're holding on to hurts from the past. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. We're all a work in progress. <laughs> It never ends. It never ends. No, it never ends. But that's the good thing. But it's a good thing. I, yeah, exactly. I, I love this stuff. I live for this stuff. Yes. it. Um, we can always be a better us. Yep, exactly. And we should always strive to be a better us. And we should also strive to not be so judgmental of other people. Or ourselves, right? Yes. Yes. It's okay. Just like meet you yourself where you're at and, and be okay with that and accept yourself. It is not about being perfect. Yes. Mm -hmm. I mentioned to you about the self-love challenge that we're doing in the academy. And a lot of the things that you and I have talked about today are things that are incorporated in that of letting go of the guilt, letting go of the hurt. What's something that you beat yourself up about? And one thing I found funny was like on day one, for instance, it is what are five negative things you say to yourself? Well, of course, Mm -hmm. you know, most of the women are, I'm fat. Or I'm Mm -hmm. ugly or I'm not smart, you know, whatever. But most of them were about physical attributes. And then you look at these things and you say, okay, if you went for a job interview and the person interviewing you said, tell me about yourself, you surely Mm -hmm. to goodness would not say those five things. So why do you say them to yourself? Mm -hmm. We beat ourselves up all the time. I can sit here And all of a sudden, it pops in my head something that happened 15 years ago that upsets me. Where does that come from? That comes from us not being able to control those thoughts. We have to recognize them. We have to stop them when they start and go, you know what? That was 15 years ago. I've grown from that. Thanks for the memory, but not interested kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah, you accept it and you move on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And you, and you release it in whatever way. And I mean, if you find that things keep coming up and they keep getting you angry and you keep having to let it go and it's really hard, there's probably a lot, uh, something that you can do to work on yourself and release that memory or whatever it is that's coming up for you. Mm-hmm. You could do something 
to heal that and it'll it'll shift the way that you show up in the future right and that's yeah i mean things keep happening patterns in our lives keep coming up because there's something we need to learn from it Mm -hmm. and when we can step up and do the work required to learn what it is we need to learn and accept that that needs to be done that's when we can grow and that's when we can let it go right right Oh my gosh, we can keep talking for hours, I think. I know, we could, we could. Because the next thing I was going to say is we need to quit guilting ourselves too. But that's a whole other podcast, girl. Like you said, (laughs) we could probably do a week of podcasts on here for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it has been great having you as a guest. And I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and share your story with us and all your inspiration Oh, thank you. I I enjoyed our our conversation so much. Thanks for having me. I live for this stuff. I could seriously talk all day, but we need need to end it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's funny when we started doing the podcast, we're like, yeah, there'll be about 30 minutes. Girl, I can't because I I do. I have to make myself stop. If not, they would be three and four hours long because it's like, Uh this is what drives me. This is you know, my passion. And so I just want to keep talking. And it's like, oh, we can help so many people. Let's just keep talking. Let's just keep talking. (laughs) Another time. We have a whole slew of topics for next time already. (laughs) Yes, we do. We do. Well, um, tell people again where they can find you. Yeah, I'm really active on Instagram, Ana de Acosta, um, and my website, com, where they can get more information about my meditations. I blog occasionally. Um, I do have some free meditations on my website. If you sign up for my email list where you get a bunch of other free resources as well, including like a list of positive affirmations. Um, and I don't even remember all the stuff that's there, but yeah. <laughs> if you sign up for my email list, you, you get it all. Yeah. Well, I'm going to sign up, girl. Oh, great. Thank you. <laughs> Looking forward to having you. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And um, I've just, if nothing else, I learned that meditation is not what I thought it was. Yeah, great. Yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you again. And we look forward to having you as a guest again in the future. Thanks. Looking forward to it as well. It was fun. Okay. Yes. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Bye. I really enjoyed talking to Anna. You know, this has nothing to do with Anna. <laughs> what well, has nothing to do with Anna? The story that I have. Okay, you have a story for us? I do. All right. Tell your story, David. Okay. Okay, so (laughs) the short of it is when Jackson was younger, I used to hold him down and tickle him, and he would scream, and I tell him I was not going to stop tickling him until he said, my mama don't love me. (laughs) Yep. So I would be outside, and I'd hear, my mama don't love me. (laughs) And then I would hear, leave him alone. (laughs) And I tell you what, and David's kids were the same way, especially Branson. Between Branson and Jackson, David could do something to them that makes them squeal to (laughs) the highest pitch to where you are surprised the windows are not shattering. (laughs) Remember when we went to your mom's? Yeah. And you made Jackson scream, and then next thing I know, she's all up in everybody's face and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And I was about two and a half seconds from walking out the door. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. saw it on your face. Yep, yep. All because you made my kids scream. No, it's not my fault. Yes, David, it is. <laughs> it is. Just like you aggravating those dogs tonight. <laughs> like, holy moly. Come on now. And I don't do well with noise. Me neither. So why you make so much of it? You like it. (laughs) It's like if it's not there, you have to create it, whether it's cutting the TV up to 20 or the radio up to 20. That's because I can't hear. 
the you know get the dogs barking oh that's cute that's fun no it's not <laughs> it irks my nerves <laughs> so anyway you need to refocus on what on something else other than all the noise i'm creating i try you need to nacho that thing david <laughs> i nacho you more than you realize <laughs> but when we're at somebody else's house it's hard for me to get up and go in their room. I'm not going to go in their bedroom and start watching TV. Can I go in your bedroom? <laughs> Can I, do y'all get House Hunters International? I need to, I'm having a need for that right now. I just need to get away from my husband. Matter of fact, can you just keep him here? Yeah. I was about to leave you there. Sitting there listening to 80s music, rapping. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I know. I, I see it now. We're going to have 80s night at I, the house. Yep, I, was, I was flashing back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, David knows some rap songs, y'all. <laughs> it's funny too, because like I hadn't heard some of these songs in good lord twenty something years, and still remember the lyrics. Isn't that crazy? I know. And I was talking to his wife, and she's like, got this look on her face, like how? And I'm like, dude, I don't know. I can't remember what I did yesterday. <laughs> and David can bust out with these songs from the '80s and know every word. <laughs> and then I was like, wait a minute, I can do the Reynolds rap commercial. <laughs> and she looked at me weird. I was like, yeah, from like 1985. I said, you know, I don't even think it was that old. It's probably like 1982. Can you do the Oscar Mayer winner song? <laughs> so I did the Reynolds rap commercial. She's like, that's impressive. And she's probably thinking, this girl's crazy. Mm-hmm. She knew I was crazy anyway, because she knows I married you. <laughs> All right, David, tell them about the other thing we've got going on, the feedback form. So the feedback form, apparently it was not working properly. <laughs> so it is now. So what we're asking is just for anonymous feedback about the podcast. So let us know what you like, don't like, changed, wouldn't change, all those things. We just want to get some feedback from the listeners to understand if we're going in the right direction, need to tweak some things or whatever. So if you go to nachokids.com slash feedback, again, nachokids.com slash feedback, there's a little short form there. It won't take you but a minute to fill out and uh, just give us some feedback about the podcast and let us know what you think. And if you would like to apply for the Nacho Kids Sylvia Crack Hour Scholarship to win a free month at the Nacho Kids Academy, email us a video telling us how long you've been blending, blah, 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 and why you think you should win the scholarship. And you can send that to us at contactus at nachokids.com. You can send it as a file if it'll fit. If it's too large, you can send it through a Google link. Or a Dropbox link. However you can get it to us. However you can get it to us. Just don't send it via pigeon. <laughs> yep. All right. Very good. So that is our show for today, folks. So remember to share us out on your favorite social media site and join us next week when you hear Lori say, What you mean, those nacho dogs? <laughs> All right, folks. Have a great week. And make sure that you remember that life is good when you're nacho. Listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.